0: All right, welcome back Hawkeye fans after the bye week. I am Rob Howe, joined by former Hawkeye Colin Cole for the Cole and Howe podcast. Looks like we're rolling with that name for the time being and I'm okay with that. Uh, No need to get fancy. (laughs) Um, Welcome back Colin, or Colin, Colin. Colin, um, yeah, let me get back into this. I had a week off so we may have a few bumps at least on my end. But uh, how are you today?
1: doing well, Rob. How about yourself, man?
0: Eh? Doing great. Got a little exercise in the morning. This morning, we're recording on uh, Monday, September the 30th, uh, almost noon central time. So we've had a couple days to digest this uh, latest Hawkeye victory. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how deeply we'll dig into this one because um, pretty much what you saw on Saturday is what you get when you have a, a mismatch in the trenches. And that's what it looked like to me. How about you?
1: Absolutely. They definitely were undersized, undermanned and unable to hold a candlestick to our front, both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. So uh, unfortunately for them, they came into a a riled up Kinnick Stadium against a very dominant group on both sides of the ball in terms of the, the trenches, offensive and defensive line play.
0: Yes, and they got a million and a half dollars for coming up, so I guess you just take the money and run if you're Middle Tennessee and you help keep the program stabilized and you take some lessons out of it and you get into Conference USA play and you, you kind of forget these, I think. They lost uh, they lost by 19 at Michigan. They lost by 20-something at Duke, and now Iowa beat them pretty handily. So now they get back into their conference, and hopefully they're not too beat up and they can compete in that league.
1: That's true. That's true. You know, I I think a lot of times we kind of forget how these, these games, how they prepare these teams for conference play and trying to find seating and find their opportunities to get into a bowl game themselves and playing against top notch competition. You kind of get opportunity to see where you stack as a player. You know, that's, that's one thing that you never, you never let go. You're always a competitor and, I'm sure that those guys on that team coached by those coaches, everybody came in here with the mindset of trying to compete and trying to compete on a high level. You know, they want they came up, they came to Kinnick with the upset in mind, but obviously they have some room to grow and hopefully they, they found some things to grow from and, you know, they'll go into their conference and uh, get some wins this year, you know, but, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely a mismatch stepping on the field with us uh, this past Saturday.
0: Wanted to kind of pick your brain on something, Colin, and I don't want to go um, too overboard here. I was 4 0, 14th ranked in the country in all the polls. Um, what I wrote about Saturday and kind of what I liked was we talked to the guys on Tuesday about this being. I don't really like this term, but it's, for lack of a better term, a trap game, a game after you play rival Iowa State, have a bye week, and then you've got Michigan at Michigan the week after this game. Uh, For lack of a better term, we'll call it a trap game. We talked to the guys about that last Tuesday during player availability, and they were like, they acknowledged that, and they felt like Saturday would be a good test on their focus. Now, What I wrote about is we saw focus at Iowa State where you had almost three hours of weather delays and Iowa still played the cleaner game and deserved to win that game. Now, this past week, there was no sign of a letdown. There was no sign of taking Middle Tennessee lightly. Iowa went out there and just took care of its business. And I I felt like that was a really good sign that this team's mind is in the right place. Can
1: you take anything from that? I think that when it comes to it, you know, it, it comes from a large part of it comes from the culture that is, is built in the or in the college institution in, in the uh in the locker room and everything that the coaches build. It comes down to, you know, understanding that just a lot of the mantras that we always gone off of all these years, you know, the hay is never in the in the barn or mm. break the rock or any of these other uh famous verbiages that we've used over the years to kind of remind ourselves and as well as our, our fan base that hey, it doesn't matter how hard you work, doesn't matter how much you won by or lost by, there's just more work to be done. And this team right here realizes that there's a lot of work to be done this year to re to realize the goals that they have. This is a very good football team. Let's not be let's be frank about it. This is a very good football team, but they haven't been challenged in the ways that I know they'll be challenged going into the Big Ten schedule, uh, this this past opponent as a great opportunity for them to really see mentally where they stand. And the thing about it that uh, that I like so much about our team is our depth. Uh, with our depth, we have so many different, um, we have we have so much competition, so much, so many different guys stepping up and that can step in and, and be available. So that if there's you know if coach sees that somebody's not into it mentally hey let's get somebody else in there that will be into it mentally that can you know bring help bring stability back to that position because you know it comes down to this is just another game on the schedule every game has its, it has its importance, but it's just it's just the next it's just the next opponent so I uh, handled business with middle Tennessee but uh, on the next opponent and on full time big ten play now.
0: Agreed. Agreed. Um, one thing that I got Saturday in the post-game locker room, I got a chance to talk to a couple of the winnow, the Tennessee players, and I wanted to get from them what, you know, they had, as I talked about earlier, they had played Michigan, they had played Duke, they'd played a couple other Power Five schools. How did Iowa stack up uh, against those Power Five schools? And, and uh, Blue Raider safety Javante Moffett told me that, you know, he felt like Iowa's offensive line – was the most aggressive that they had faced, that they're not only big bodies taking up space, but that they're physical and that the running backs run downhill. Um, I, I, I shared that with Tristan Wirfs and he just had a big smile on his face. That's obviously what you want to hear if you're an Iowa fan, mm-hmm. That that this is the way we play football and opponents are feeling it so from your perspective colin that's got to be good you know a
1: solid thing to hear from an opponent somebody who's kind of unbiased in this situation completely unbiased has nothing to gain whatsoever in his comments uh as, as like you said played against some other top-notch competition and he's speaking honestly you know especially right after a game where he's had to see those big heavy guys for for the better half of three hours uh, coming off, coming down, coming downhill, coming off the ball, uh, putting them in position where they have to make open field tackles against those running backs, those elusive running backs. And it doesn't matter how you feel at the beginning of the game. When the end of the game comes, if you don't have, if 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 you've been having to tackle for hours and it's been a a difficult task throughout, and you're you're going to be worn down. You're you're going to remember. Uh, some of those intricate details. Uh, those big guys have been leaning on my guys, and now I got to make here. I got to make another tackle. So yeah, that's that's tough. But I mean, as a free safety, you get a, you get a chance firsthand to to kind of see how things develop in front of you, and you see how those guys are coming off on your guys, and if you got to make that tackle on that. That big heavy number twenty-eight coming down screaming at you—it's not easy. Number, <laughs> number fifteen kind of giving you a move, or number ten giving you a move—that's that's not easy. So uh, to hear that, it gives brings credibility about it. But again, uh, that's what you want all your opponents to have to say about you after your game is over with, and we're doing a good job of that so far this season. But again, we're heading into what the meat of this of this schedule, so we're excited to see where we go from here. And to uh,
0: build on Colin's point there about the running backs, you had number 28, Torrin Young, 11 carries, 131 yards. Number 15, true freshman Tyler Goodson with 12 carries for 97 yards. And number 10, junior Mackay Sargent, 14 carries, 91 yards. Uh, Iowa rushes for 351 yards, the fourth most in the 20-plus, the 21st season of Kirk Ferentz football. Um, the 644 yards of total offense, the most ever in the 21 seasons of Kirk Ferentz, Iowa football. So uh, some, some gaudy numbers there. Um, uh, But again, as I wrote, I, I just felt like to get to those numbers for me, we see it around the country every week, teams that are favored by a bunch of points, not taking care of business. This team came out from the jump, from the opening kickoff on Saturday, and was on point, and just was supposed to beat this team soundly and did. And to me, that—that's the what I, beyond any numbers, that's what I took most out of this game. Let's see here, and um, I think what got overlooked a little bit on Saturday was. The defense, Colin, and and you know this Middle Tennessee, I think, put up 21 maybe against Michigan and somewhere around there against Duke, um, but really had nothing, no, nowhere to nowhere to go, and an area that I know is close to your heart, defensive tackle. I think these two got you know the, the trio of guys. Brady Reeves hurt now, but played well when he was in there. But we're seeing kind of Davian Nixon starting to to figure things out. And I think Cedric Lattimore is one of the better under-the-radar stories that we've had this season. He's been consistent for four games of being solid in the middle of that defensive line. When we know that A.J. and Chauncey are going to get extra attention, he's
1: making the most of that situation. Would you speak to that a little bit? (laughs) Well, we're going to definitely need both Cedric – Um, as well as all uh, Davion Nixon and and Austin Schulte. We're going to need all those guys to really be able to step up and step up their play. And, yeah, it's been great to see Cedric get his opportunities. You know, he's waited his turn and he's fought his butt off to to get to the point where he is right now. So I I can't wait to see this season continue to progress and him to continue to to progress as a player. And hopefully we can get Brady back and help us out and, and, you know, continue to to put in the, the good minutes that he has all season. Um, but, yeah, those to see uh, Daniel Nixon to really step his game up and really play uh, a really good game on, on Saturday uh, with, with a couple of pressures, a couple of hits. Um, you know, he had to be like one of, the, one of the defensive players of the game just by his play, and he's, he's taking it to another level. So uh, with those guys on the inside, I know personally how important those guys' jobs and presence is to just being able to – uh, put put it together. I mean, defensively, your, the strength of your defense will be determined by the strength of those two interior guys that are on the field. For. And if, if we can't take care of business inside at as the, as the defensive tackles, we will be susceptible to the run game. I will be susceptible to to, to quarterbacks having to step up and having that space to step up when our defensive ends get around the edges and force them out of their comfort zone. If that pocket is clean enough and those guys to step up, they can deliver that shot down the field. So we need our defensive tackles to continue to progress to continue to get stronger and continue to play at the level that they played this past Saturday. And I think the sky's the limit for the team.
0: Yes. And thank you. I was remiss for me not to mention Austin Schulte, who's done a really nice job jumping into that rotation. And even knowing Shannon in that second half, the young guy was disruptive too. I mean, he got in there, got some snaps mm-hmm. finally, and he he was disruptive. So it was good to kind of see, as you said, Colin, that it looks like. Um, and then uh, Zach Van Valkenburg got in at defensive end. I, I think we're start starting to see some some depth develop there. Is that what you're seeing on the defensive line? It, it was a little bit uh, an unknown, I guess, going into the season. You're starting to see some some depth developing there.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, and that may, I, that's what, that's what it, the season is about. You know, sometimes you don't know going into the season what it's going to shake out to be. And, you know, you, you plug guys in because you've had such great depth throughout the years at the position, and you're like, well, what, what, who are we going to put in there? But then you start putting guys in, and they start showing up, and this is what it's about. It's where the recruiting comes in. This is where uh, months of, of, of off-season training comes into play. And so guys take advantage of their opportunities. I mean, we can't forget that these guys have been ball players for a long time themselves. And so thankfully they get their opportunity and they take advantage of it. Sometimes injuries and, and, and inability to stay uh, eligible and, and other factors kind of play into a guy not being able to be productive when you bring him in as a freshman or, you know, as a junior college transfer. But um, if you get your opportunity and you're ready to, to step into that window, take advantage of it then you're a mainstay you get a chance to continue to start and then the thing that i like about competition you know is is that uh, riley rife comes back but then davion nixon is playing as well as he is the the plugging back into the starting lineup you know but that's the best part about having competition is that those guys can push each other to to get the best out of each other, and that's and at the end of the day, it's going to benefit the Hawkeye defense. At the end of the day, so I'm I'm happy to see that we have depth, and I'm happy to see that we have guys that can kind of fill in and create a competition as well as create a situation where guys will continue to get better. What do you uh what have you seen from the
0: linebackers? There was a position last year that was really young because Iowa had graduated three linebackers and really was inexperienced. Have you seen that that group step forward this year? A Welch had I think Christian Welch led the team in tackles again, the middle linebacker with nine the other
1: day. So um certainly production tackle wise. Mm-hmm. I think Christian Welsh is definitely stepping up and stepping into that role, and, and continuing to show growth in his in his in in his career. Um, I think Neiman is coming along very well. I think he's got a lot of uh, ability, and uh, uh, you know I think he's picked up where his brother left off. That and he's got a lot of range. He's got uh, he's got quickness, speed, and to see you know I, ever since I played, the staple of the defense has kind of been consistent that you keep your linebackers on you on the field as your best tacklers, the guys that can make plays in space. And he's a guy that's done very well doing so. And uh can't forget about our guy Jimon, who has been very has, has played very well as well. So, I think the group as a whole, I mean, after after graduating three seniors like you said a couple of years ago, it's kind of been looking for itself and trying to find itself and I think that they're doing a, a, a wonderful job now. they, they kind of found a good mixture of guys that can can that they can deploy. In, in, in coverage as well as play break base defense and play downhill. That's why I like to see is playing downhill, creating negative plays on in, in the running game and you know breaking passes up in the passing game. They're going to put it, continue to put us in good position to win. You know that bend but don't break defense is not necessarily always the great at, the, the best attitude. Let's create negative plays and let's put them. Let's put the offense back in, in a negative yardage situations so they have to dig themselves out of a hole. And with the trio that we have at, at our linebacking core right now, I see nothing but growth moving forward. I think it'll be
0: interesting, Colin, because because we talked and when we were coming into this season, a lot of talk was made about Iowa with the 4-2-5 after Imani Hooker being able to play that cash position last year. Injuries in the secondary really hasn't haven't allowed us to, to play that this year. And as you said, the linebackers, are, you know, it's been a lot of 4-3, mostly 4-3, uh, and it's worked. Um, now you get Michigan, a team that's more spread out this year. Uh, then Penn State comes to Kinnick, a team that likes to spread Iowa out, and then Purdue, another team that that likes to spread it out. Um, what do you see? And I'm asking you to, to to pick Coach Parker's brain here a little bit. Do you do you stay four three with these teams and just kind of see how it works, and then adjust if it's not working? Do you try to throw the opponents off? by mixing up multiple defense, how would you, I guess, approach these next three opponents or maybe just Michigan, first of all, because Michigan's a team that's going
1: more spread this year than they have in the past. I think that at some point you, you, you start with your uh, defensive line, uh, with your line on the field, you start with possibly three in the game, but you have to establish the ability to cover their receivers. So, we're going to have to definitely get the CDs on the on the field, cornerbacks on the field at some point. Somebody else who can swing and, and cover uh, some of these more athletic players in open space. You know, I feel uh, as comfortable as I feel with our linebackers being able to make tackles, uh, these wide receivers in open space can at times cause, cause disruption. So want to be able to, to deploy extra extra defensive backs in situations where we need them to be. So, yeah, you, you want um, – There's really no predicting it. You know, you just got to mix it up and and put a team in the best position.
0: Yeah, and definitely that'll be, as you said before, um, the competition certainly takes a step up. And um, when you get into conference play, Colin, how much more is it about um, X's and O's and things like that? Because I would think that most of these teams know each other pretty well and scout each other pretty well. Does it come down – Is it more to execution? I I wouldn't think that you're able to, you know, like we see in the preseason where teams do, um, you know, like Iowa State with the, you know, the halfback pass, you know, double pass, things like that. You don't see that as much in Big Ten play. Is this more just now come down to preparation and execution? Well, I I guess I would
1: challenge that specifically because of the fact that you, when when it comes to these teams, you look at all these college teams, they have a conference that they play in, a division in, within their conference. So within that, they all have a book that they have of each team that they play against. And when it's time to play that team, they open that book up and they look at tendencies, they look at – you know, the roster, they look at who's who's who, they look at the the former, you know, the games and look at the film and all that stuff. But they've already developed a book about what that coach's tendencies are, what he likes to do, what kind of wrinkles he's brought into play. But they they definitely have something to kind of build from uh, when it comes to an opponent that is is a common opponent that they play year in and year out. So I would say that Michigan has a book. I would say that they know Jim Harbaugh uh, very well over play, playing him over the last number of years and what his tendencies have been, what he, what he likes to do in certain situations, uh, what kind of personnel he likes to run, you know, and then you kind of take that and then you look over the last four games and then you look over the game tape and you look at some different things that you have. And then I would say that sometimes that's why those trick plays work against some of your opponents, because they're so used to seeing certain looks and they're so used to seeing you run certain things that when they see that certain look, they're used to just, you know, Trying to expose that, and that would which would leave them susceptible to another play, some sort of uh, trick play out the back door. So, I would say that you know a lot of times that's when you get your best opportunities to run some of those plays because they're so used to seeing what you do on a weekend week out basis now. With the teams like you just mentioned between. Michigan Penn State and Purdue who are very pass happy teams the concepts will be pretty much the same you know in terms of how they like to run certain routes and how they'd like to run certain combinations but for the most part you know who that team is and you know there are certain situations that you want to look at trying to put either put pressure on them or trying to cover them or, or things that you expect them to do on say a third down and 14 calls or anything of that nature so I think that it it, it those, that's, those are the times when people try to run their well, – you have more success doing it. But, uh, yeah, for the most part, you know, non-conference teams, when you don't really have the time to really study them and get to know your opponent like that, you definitely got to look out for a lot of that stuff.
0: I want to build on that, Colin, because I think you make a great point. Your former teammate um, and a guy who I've, I've known as well for years and who I really like, LeVar Woods, has done a good job since taking over the special teams of finding – Tendencies of other teams, and I was been successful in pulling off trick plays on special teams. Is that where you can really find tendencies and and find looks that you like to pull things like that off?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Is that, uh, and that's what film study is about. You know, you look at certain players in certain positions, and you say, okay, well, this guy. Let's say, for instance, we have a kickoff return going on, and they're L one, L they're L three is a guy that can run, really run, and get down the field very fast. Okay, well, maybe we take advantage of that. Maybe we let him run and run himself right out of the play, and we don't even block him, and we kind of set up our our wedge or we set up our return towards a guy like that that will put himself out of the play just because there's at times going to be a seam right there. Or let's say that the the opposing team has a punt uh, lined up and they're in a traditional punt formation, but they have a, a weak left tackle. Okay, well let's try to take advantage of that guy. How do we do that? Well, we put some eye candy in front of him. We loop some different guys in some different places and then he maybe he ditches his mechanics and leaves a wide open space for us to get after it. So yeah, you you definitely the ability to break down film and look at guys' tendencies and kind of look at where guys are are we kinda sets you up for the opportunity to either pull off a fake or put yourself in the best position to to uh, take advantage of those uh, those different opportunities. They've got a quarterback this week in
0: Shea Patterson, Colin, who reminds me of Brock Purdy for Iowa State, who had not a lot of success but did some things. Iowa State moved the pocket around. Um, probably will see similar things this week against Michigan. Um, what are some of the keys against a quarterback like that that can hurt you with his legs, hurt you with his arm, um, move the pocket around extend plays things like that
1: um well i' seen a number of them throughout my career and oftentimes you try your best not to uh, you try your best not to create a entire game plan around a specific guy you know you try to get yourself prepared for every single individual player but I've played against some of the most mobile quarterbacks, you know, playing playing against Seneca Wallace at Iowa State, mm. playing against Mike Vick while being in the NFL. Mm. You know, those guys are, are guys that can take the game upon themselves whenever they want to. So you just, but you just cannot stop playing, right? You got to continue to play, but you got to be cognizant of what those guys can do. So as a defensive line, you got to know as a defensive end, you cannot rush too deep past the quarterback. Right So if your left and defensive end are rushing too deep, that kind of leaves those lanes in between those guards and tackles to kind of escape and, and get those get that opportunity to get out and, and run or throw on the run or extend the play at the end of the day. Um, but if the ends don't rush deep enough and they kind of come underneath too too quickly, then they kind of open up that outside gap for that, for that quarterback to escape to the outside. So you have to just have good rush discipline. At times, you're probably going to have to deploy uh, somebody as a spy technique to kind of try to take away certain looks When whenever their tendencies say, hey, this is a look where they kind of spread you out, and then you try to put the quarterback in a position where he can run the ball. You know, certain things, that's where the film study comes into play. But then, you know, obviously as defensive linemen who our number one responsibility is to contain the quarterback, just having good rush lanes and good rush mechanics will put those guys in position where they can take away anything explosive or take away his ability to run and create plays and and extend plays with his with his legs and then what are the keys behind that that
0: first level Colin into linebackers and the defensive backs what what are some of the keys for them against a guy
1: like that the keys for anybody who is in coverage is to stay in coverage and when the initial play breaks down and there's a then, and he's out, he's in the backfield trying to create, trying to run around. You just have to stay on your guy. Don't get your eyes on him watching what, watching what quarterback Patterson does. Don't do that. Stay, keep your eyes on your coverage. Stay close to him so that if, if he is able to get the ball out and he throws it towards the guy that you're, that you're covering, then you're right there on his body and you can you can at least make a play on the ball and if he doesn't and if he does complete a pass because I'm sure that's what they I'm sure that happens every once in a while he completes a pass make a tackle stop him right there and line up and play another play
0: flipping it over on the other side Michigan is a team that uh, you know they they like to play that kind of the the extra defensive back, a hybrid linebacker safety type back there. Um, Wisconsin obviously had a lot of success running the ball, as good as Iowa's running backs are. They don't have Jonathan Taylor. But Michigan seems like a a team that Iowa can be physical with and maybe get the the running game going. Have you seen that? Do you feel like Iowa has a chance to, to establish the running game this week?
1: Absolutely. And the game has to start with the running game. So uh, I, I think that it's going to be a, a tough battle in the in the trenches. But, you know, I also think that it's obviously one of the battles that we have a, a, a huge strength moving forward in. So I, I think going into any contest, especially with this roster and knowing the way that we are as a as a team, we have to start. We have to run the ball first. We have to start our, our games with the running game. That's what's most important. Um, Being able to start each and every game with that running game and be dependable and and, and have that be kind of the focus is very, you know, it kind of, not every team, let me put it to you like this, not every single team has something that they feel like they can lean their hat on and say, well, this is this is who we are. This is what we are. This is we know what we are here. This is this is our staple. This is what we're comfortable doing no matter what the situation is. Iowa's staple is the running game. So we get that running game going just as we were able to do against our previous four opponents. I don't see why we can't continue to do that against this team. Obviously they got some very good players up front because they always do. I mean this is Michigan. And there's going to always be some very talented players on their team. That's just kind of the way it works for them. But ultimately, they still have to show up, and they still have to—they they have, to, have to perform, and they got a lot of pressure on their, their shoulders. This is their homecoming weekend. And I don't know why they thought it would be a good idea to go ahead and schedule us for the homecoming weekend. And you know what? Matter of fact, Rob, as I think about it, I seem to remember something back in 2002 of the same caliber. They scheduled an Iowa team coming in on the road as their homecoming weekend, and I seem I remember that outcome. I don't, remember, I don't know if everybody else remembers that outcome, but I remember the outcome of that game. When we went up there and, and took their homecoming over for them. So, yeah.
0: I laugh because I was thinking the same thing, and I, it, it's funny to me because I, because you guys notice that stuff, right? As
1: players, when somebody makes you their homecoming game, of course, game? yeah, of course you do. No, this is how you feel about this is how you feel about us. That's what it tells me. This is what you think about me that you want to schedule a party on the day that you have a <laughs> game for against us. Okay, so let's let's go ahead and let's crash your parties. How I've always felt about that good stuff.
0: Yeah, and I think this team—I I think this Iowa team is built for uh, for that, and most good Iowa teams are built for that to uh, to take little nuggets of motivation like that and and have it work in their favor. Um, and I think uh, I think we learned something about this Iowa team at Iowa State. It's nice having, and, and we haven't talked about this, Colin, because we haven't had the bye week and all the extra you know extraneous things that happened after that Iowa State game from the band gate to I don't know how much you got of this in Carolina but I know you kind of keep an eye on what's going on back here but just the extra stories after the game when you peel all that away how important or or how much value can Iowa get from that win at Iowa State now, having to go on some tough? I mean, you got Michigan, you got Wisconsin, you got Northwestern, and you've got Nebraska all on the road in this Big Ten. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it feels like, for me personally, I don't know how players would think. For me personally, I have more confidence now that Iowa can go on the road and win in Ann Arbor
1: than maybe before I saw what happened at Iowa State. Would you agree? Well, <laughs> definitely. I would say that, you know, you don't know what what you have as a team until you're tested. And that was an amazing test because we, there's no way that anybody can duplicate what that game was for this team. Uh, between the time delays, between having to fight through – some adversity throughout their game and between the offense sputtering and not being able to be as effective as they had been in the other games that they've had uh, to have to grind it out uh, and win a game with four field goals and a quarterback run. You got to imagine that a team that is able to grind a game like that out and come away with a win like that really boosts their confidence. And knowing that you're going into a place like the big house that is going to be, you know it's going to be rocking. The atmosphere is going to be amazing, and they're going to have all the national publicity for this weekend. Of course they are. Of course, that's just, that's just the way that that's the way you build it up. That's way that's that's what we love about college football. But at the end of the day, what does this team have to lean on? I I am more comfortable and more confident leaning on a team that has a stable rushing attack that knows who they are knows their identity, is confident and comfortable within that identity to do what they do, that they've been doing uh, for years. Uh, then to go in a situation, going into a, a game where, you know, you're still trying to figure out who you are, who's those guys that are going to be running the ball for us. Can Patterson, t- you know, pull us out and, and win a game for us? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's tough when you got to put the whole, uh, you got to put the whole win on one person's shoulders. That's tough, that's tough for me. You know what I mean? But when you have a team where you have multiple players that you can hang your hat on, because let's say we're all human here. We all have uh, days when we're not necessarily at our best. So who do you lean on when you're in that situation? Well, we lean on a stable of backs. We have four guys that are doing amazing right now. We have a stable of receivers that are doing amazing right now. And be honest with you. I feel very confident with turning around and handing it off on first down, second down, and third down if we need to get ourselves going. I feel confident with that. Instead of putting everything on our quarterback's lap and saying, you have to win us this game, we have a stable foundation to move forward. Now, I'm not saying that stable foundation has no cracks and we can't lose a game. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I'm saying is that I'm confident knowing that going into any single game throughout this season – any any of our Big Ten opponents into the bowl game or whoever, I'm confident knowing that. at any time I could turn off my TV and turn it back on and know I'm watching Iowa football because I know they're going to run that zone. They're going to run the ball and they're going to feed everything and feature everything off of that. So going into this going into this game, going into the rest of the season, I'm confident that we have a basis as to who we are, and we're just going to continue to play up those those um, those positivities and. I see a group of guys who are going to continue to grow and get better. And oh, by the way,
0: Sean Byer caught a twenty-seven-yard pass on Saturday, so now we see the tight end get involved a little bit. And um, mm-hmm. and you had Weeding catch a pass, a couple passes the week at Iowa State. So, yeah, that's. I think Michigan's got Michigan's defensive uh, game preparation this week is complicated. To say the least, I think they've got a lot on their plate that they have to prepare
1: for. Absolutely, and that's the best part about it is when you have a multi-attack team like we have right now, we put them in a position where it's going to be difficult. It'll be difficult for them, so let's, let's uh, you know let's let's get after it.
0: How are you feeling about the Big Ten so far? From what you've seen, I don't know how much you've gotten to see some of the you know Ohio State, Wisconsin, Penn State teams like that, but. Um, What do you think of the league this year?
1: Well, I think the league is, is in a good position right now. Um, definitely, definitely have a lot of great opportunities to get a lot of great, uh, wins and games throughout the league this year and continue. And I feel like there should be one for sure. in the college football playoffs uh, with a possibility of two, we'll see how things shake out, but, um, Um, it's it's been some very good competitive football and, you know, just getting rid of this, this going into the last weekend, actually, no, I'm sorry. This was the last weekend of September going into the first weekend of October is really uh, when everybody gets into that, gets into that conference, uh, gets those conference games and really sees where you match up in your conference. And those will really matter because that's what gets you into your bowl game. So uh, with, with the league as a whole, I mean, from top to bottom, I would have to say that, I'm impressed with where Big Ten football is right now, and where the growth will continue to come from. I mean, Wisconsin, as you mentioned earlier, is a a very good team. Michigan obviously has played well. Ohio State, we all know, is is a difficult team. Us us hosting Penn State in the week or so, that's going to be a difficult game as well. So uh, you, we can't forget about Northwestern. Nebraska is not necessarily where they had hoped they would be, but you know the the league as a whole. I would say is just is, is continuing to grow, and then you still you still got teams that have have to catch up, still have to do well, and still have to find their own. But uh, but for the the top half of the Big Ten, I think we'll be very well represented in some, some great bowl games going into the the new year.
0: Well said, and I agree. I think Ohio State's probably the sh- shown right now, at least to this point, and things change. but to be the class of the league, um, and then after that, I think you know Wisconsin, Penn State, Iowa. Maybe Michigan State, but Michigan State looked a little shaky against Indiana on Saturday um, and then lost at home to Arizona State too. So Mm -hmm. I think that top four, you have Ohio State probably a notch above right now and then Wisconsin, Penn State, and Iowa be fun because they all play each other. Um, It's going to be fun to see it because Iowa has got two ranked opponents now, back-to-back, Michigan this week, Penn State the week after. Um, really tough, tough schedule this year. So, uh, if the Hawkeyes come out of this thing, it's it's going to be well earned and, and well prepared
1: for what will probably be Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game. Probably so. Probably so. And you know, I'm very happy to know that you know we have in the conference we we have you know some very stable, strong teams that are continuing to grow and get better. You know, unfortunately. I did see where Rutgers did have to fire their coach, their football coach. What was that yesterday? But you know, it's, this is a game where you have to win, and the, the the constituents want to see that you are growing and you're making a positive growth. You know, you're you're looking po- like you're you're moving towards something, and you have something to hang your hat on. Just like I was talking about, if a team, if the constituents as well as your fan base as well as your 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 players don't see something to hang their hats on, then you just can't. You can't, you lose a team that way. You lose them, but uh, but yeah, the rest of the t- the rest of the conference, I would say, is is definitely moving in the right direction. I, I mean, heck, even Minnesota is looking pretty good right now. So
0: yeah, that was an impressive win at, at at Purdue. I know Purdue's banged up, but still, to go on the road and get a Big Ten West win for Minnesota, uh, that's a nice feather in its cap. Um, it looks like Colin that uh, Greg Shiano, uh might be heading back to Rutgers. Um, really. And that's the guy who was able to win there. So we'll see if he's kind of like when Bill Snyder left Kansas State and it struggled. Mm-hmm. He went back and kind of right in the ship. We'll see if, if Shiano is the guy, if he can do that. He's, he seems to have not had success at other places other than Rutgers, and, they, and it hasn't had success without him. So maybe that's a marriage that needs to happen.
1: You might be right there, but you can't forget, he did have Ray Rice there at the time, who was yeah. definitely a very prolific running back back in the day. So we'll see, but I'm, you're right, though. He definitely, as a Rutgers head coach, he definitely had some success. So, hey, I guess they're trying to see if they can find that old magic again.
0: So I haven't put my pick out yet this week. I, I'll do my – I'll write my preview on Wednesday.
1: You have the Hawks winning in Ann Arbor this weekend? I can give you my pick for every weekend moving forward in front of the Hawks. The the point spread might be different, but the the, the actual outcome will probably be the same. Yeah, the point spread opened as Michigan uh, by a
0: touchdown, which shocked me. I was like, like, really? Uh And that's been been bet down to Michigan minus five now. I got to think that that thing's down to a field goal maybe by – by kickoff. I'm not sure where they got off putting Michigan but that's more disrespect for the Hawkeyes. Homecoming and a touchdown underdog.
1: Mm-hmm. No, that's all good. I like it, actually. I think it's definitely extra food for thought and motivation for the guys.
0: Yeah, and like we've talked about in this podcast and kind of the theme of this podcast, I think this team's I think this team's head in the, is in the right place. I think it's concentrated. It's focused on the tasks at hand, um, and I would be – Nothing really shocks me in sports anymore, but I would be pretty surprised if Iowa doesn't show up and play. I think if Michigan's to win this game, Colin, Michigan's going to have to play really, really well.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree.
0: So, I agree. Uh, they're
1: going to they're gonna have to play a better game than they played all season. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, agreed. Because um, I think Iowa's going to give them. I was going to give them everything. They want and give them its best shot because this is a this is a, this is a uh, this is a statement game for Iowa too. I think if I because Iowa's around 14 right now, and I kind of get a sense that around the country people are like, yeah, but what have they done? What have they who've they they win this game in Ann Arbor, and then I think people start to say, okay, maybe not that it matters because it, you got to win your games anyway. But just from a perspective standpoint, I think this is. This is a, a game where Iowa can start to to maybe um, build the resume to the point where people are saying, "Okay, this is a team we, we need to pay attention to a little bit closer now."
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're always going to be looked at that way, and it's going yeah. It's always that that uh, those naysayers that you have to kind of shut them up and all that kind of stuff. It is what it is. Until you win big, until until those things happen, you know you're gonna always have folks that have negativity to spew, but I I, I I welcome it because you know it kind of it's that chatter, it's that noise, it's that that stuff that kind of brings you a reminder as to who people feel like you are and makes you have to show them who you are. So I know, I'm thankful for it. We, we need all the we need all the shots we can get. We need everybody to be be uh, Putting us in a position where they don 't think we 're going to do much, and we 've just got to continue to work at it
0: and I know Doyle has a field
1: day with these things I, I
0: remember, see with the new facility we don 't get to see behind the curtain as much; they kind of keep us media people out. but the old days when he used to have those signs up outside on the you know when, when you played here, like he put he'd put those signs up around the facility or put them up on outside the weight room doors. You guys would see it when they come in, he's the, he seems to be the, the, the motor like that, that guy that just kind of is that, I don't know if you remember the Flintstones, if you watched the Flintstones when you were a kid, but they had that little green Martian kazoo guy that used to talk to, (laughs) I'm going way off the, I'm going way off the, the,
1: I I know what you're talking
0: about. (laughs) He used to, Fred, what to do? Doyle reminds me of Gazoo, the guy that's just kind of always there, saying, "Hey, hey, this is what's going. This is what they're saying about you. <laughs> what they
1: think about you, right here." <laughs> <laughs> All right,
0: Colin, I think that's a, a good place for us to wrap up for the week. Um, hopefully, you guys enjoyed listening to us, and uh, we don't have a bye week for a while, so we will be back again next week to hopefully talk about uh, the Hawkeyes' big win in Ann Arbor and then preparations for a night game, which was announced mm-hmm. today, a night game against Penn State, um, right. which we could have game day here again. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but a win this week, Penn State probably wins this week, could have game day in Iowa
1: City next week, um, but we'll cross that bridge when we get through it. Let's take care of the Wolverines first, right? That's right. That's right. And I'm making plans for being up there in Iowa City for Penn State game. So we'll see.
0: Okay. Cool. I'm. I'll look forward to seeing you guys when you make your way up here for, for that that big night game against Penn State. But uh, let's get a win in, in Ann Arbor this week and kind of, kind of grease the skids a little bit more for uh, more controversy with Jim Harbaugh in, in Ann Arbor. We,
1: we would uh, we would like to watch a little bit more of the drama taking place there. Oh, absolutely. That's all part of it. That's all part of his act and everything. That's just who he is. That's okay.
0: All right, Hawkeye fans. Well, thanks again for joining us again. And uh, for Colin Cole, this is Rob Howe for the Cole and Howe podcast. And we will talk to you guys again next next week, probably Sunday or Monday. So check us out again, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.